94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. Everybody and welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT LP. Everything you and I. Now, as you notice, no one is listening live, unless you're in your car or something. But there's the live stream is down today, so if you're, well, if you are listening to it, you can't listen to it. We will have the live stream post or the the podcast posted after the show, so you can listen to Logan Blackman Show. So make sure. You tune into that. If you're listening to that, hello. This is your live edition of the Logan Blackman Show. So, yeah, let's get right into it. It's 12.07 right now. I wanted to start the show at, like, 12.03, but, you know, (laughs) the computer decides, Logan, you might want to organize these this certain way, but we're going to mess it up and put a song next, even while you're not looking, and play a one-second ad right before the song plays. So I started that this is not a good start to the radio show, I guess. Ticked me off, as it would most people that are trying to do something on time. Like, oh, get this going now. Walked in the station. Get it going. Let's get the show on the road. And then that happens. That, that, that makes me upset. Well, we're on the topic of making Logan upset today. It's not necessarily today. That has Logan upset. Ugh. It is just this thing in general. It ticks me off. Now you might be sit, jeez, might be sitting there going, Logan, it's okay. You don't need to be mad. Well, no, I don't need to be, but I'm going to be mad because when you do a radio show and you're trying to schedule things to do interviews and stuff, and you're in communication with somebody. It's really, really annoying to when they just cut off communication. You're asking them questions like, oh, can we do this at this time? Can we do this then? Can we do this then? And it's, everything is just done. It ticked me off in the summer when you're trying to send out emails to people. Like, hey, I'm interested in a, a job. Here's my resume. Here's all this. And you get nothing back. That annoys me more than a lot of things in this world. You're trying to get stuff done for your radio show. You're trying to grow your radio show. Do whatever. We are in communication with each other. We are talking to each other. This is last Thursday. I have not heard from this man since last Thursday. So if you're for some reason listening to this, I don't even remember what your name is, I'm going to go through my emails real quick, because he might have responded today, even though I said, hey, can we do this thing today? This is back on Thursday, because I'm trying to get an interview scheduled with AJ, AJ Green, you and I basketball player. And I was just trying to get something set up with him, so I'm interviewing. I I talked to the former sports director, so for those of you who don't know, I was the sports director for KULT all of 2019. The person before that, there was actually two of them. It was Elliot Clough and Quinn. Clough and Q, they did a sports show right before mine last year. 
or right at right after mine, right after mine. So I've gotten to know both of them and Clough when Quentin was gone, Elliot would do interviews on Fridays with athletes, with players, with whatever. So I was like, okay. I emailed AJ, hadn't heard a response. So I was like, okay. He did an interview last year, so I don't know why he would ignore an email this year. So then I I texted him. It said, hey, what do you do to get interviews for your shows? And he told me what he did. You have to talk to the assistant AD. I was like, okay, that makes sense because you have to get through people to talk to athletes. It makes sense. It makes sense. So the athletes probably are like, okay, we're not, we can't answer the emails because we want to get clearance from our people. So I interview, I, well, not interview. I talk to some guy or email some guy and then he forwards it on to another guy. So that guy emails me back, and we have a nice little conversation. We send back four or five emails to each other. And then I asked him if next Monday would work, which is uh, today. And nothing's back. Since last Thursday at 6, nothing's been back. There's been Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, I would guess he'd probably get up at 8, so four hours into Monday. Not a single response. You probably, you check your email because you get emails every day, especially if you're a higher position in charge of getting interviews set up for radio shows like myself. Respond. It's not that hard. Look at the email. If it doesn't work, tell me it doesn't work. That ticks me off more than a lot of things in this world. You're trying to get something set up. You're trying, you're trying, you're trying. You're emailing back and forth like, okay, let's get something working here. Oh, this time doesn't work. Okay, does this time work? Well, now that one doesn't work. Does this time work? It happened during the summer because when, so last summer, I stayed up here in Cedar Falls, took some summer classes with one of my roommates, Steven, so we were we we lived up here for the summer at our house up here in Cedar Falls. So I was trying to get a job during the summer. Whether that was a with a radio station or with a TV station or whatever. I I applied at the Target warehouse. The Target warehouse sent me more emails back than the things that I actually want to do. If you see an email and it's not like we're massive radio stations, we're a big radio station. That's why I'm very very appreciative for working at 1540 KXEL. Because I didn't send anything there. Because he told me, back when I first interviewed, that if something came up, he would come over to me. Which he did. So I I respect that a lot. So I didn't have to reach out to him. To Gary. Gary Rima, sports guy, which I do every every day of the work week from 4 to 6. So he got back to me. I I love that. I love that. But to other people... With the other stations that I texted and emailed, not a single response. If you have no openings, tell me no openings. If this time doesn't work, tell me it doesn't work. I, it's really annoying. I don't care if you do it in your personal life. That's, that's another story. When you're trying to do something business-related, I say business because this isn't really a business. I'm doing this for free. That's where it annoys me. So that's what's bugging me on this it's going to get nicer, 
but a decently decent decent weather Monday edition of the Logan Blackman show. Because right now up here in Cedar Falls, it's 34 degrees and cloudy. There's a 0% chance of snow. Winds coming to the northwest at 7 miles an hour, and the air quality is good, but it is going to be nice throughout the rest of the week pretty much. Never drops below 44 degrees. And then Sunday, 65 degrees and sunny. Saturday, 56 degrees. Like, we are just going to get into the nice weather soon. So I'm trying to lift my spirits now after just getting annoyed this past weekend. So hopefully we get something figured out. Because if not, then then that's it. There's, there's going to be no interview. That's just how it goes. But just respond to me, Nick. God. Well, we're not here to just talk about that today. I just wanted to get that off my chest as we started this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We got MLS opening week. Opening weekend was this past Saturday and Sunday in Sporting Kansas City. Walked away with their first dub of the season at Vancouver. We beating Vancouver 3-1. to one. Great game. Great game. Alan Polito getting a goal in his first game. Kenda getting a goal in his first game. And then Hurtado coming in for Polito, who went off injured, sadly. Hope he's all right. Scored against his former team, Vancouver, to get a 3-1 victory in the BC, BC place up in Vancouver, Canada. Other games that took place this week, Colorado Rapids <coughs> go into D.C., beat D.C. United 2-1. Montreal Impact beat the New England Revolution 2-1. Houston and L.A. draw 1-1. Same with San Jose and Toronto, trying 2-2. FC Dallas beat Philadelphia 2-0. Orlando and Real Salt Lake drew 0-0. And Atlanta beat Nashville in their first game 2-1. Moving on to Sunday, Columbus beat NYCFC 1-0 in that one. New York Red Bulls beat FC Cincinnati 3-2. Seattle Sounders beat the Chicago Fire 2-1 behind two goals from Jordan Morris. LAFC beat Inter-Miami 1-0 in a, with a beautiful goal from Carlos Vea. Nice little dink over the goalkeeper. Beautiful. Beautiful goal. And then Minnesota United goes into Portland and beats Portland 3-1. So opening week of MLS is done and dusted. Great stuff from week one. Gotta love opening weeks of any sport. Whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, opening day is a great feeling. Whether you like the first game or not, there's more of the likely a chance that you're going to sit down and watch because like, oh, it's exciting. It's the first game of the season. Yes. Like first game of the NBA season. I think it was the L.A. Clippers versus the L.A. Lakers. Football, Green Bay Packers versus Chicago Bears. Like we love watching the first game of the season. Whether it's our team involved or not, there's it's always exciting once you see that first kick, first tip, first throw of the new season. It's awesome. So there's opening weekend of MLS done. Sporting Kansas City looking to go undefeated for the rest of the season, which is something that Liverpool could not do over in England, losing to Watford 3 nothing. Got absolutely played off the field by Watford. Liverpool... In the game, did they just look straight past Watford? Liverpool undefeated in their last 44 games, like third longest streak in European history. They just completely looked past them. Or fourth, 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 fourth. 
Fifth. Fifth. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this in my head. I can't remember what all of this. But, man, Manchester United escaped with a draw. Very, very lucky draw to say that. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Thank you to VAR for giving Manchester United the draw there. So it's been a pretty solid weekend for Logan. Manchester United getting a draw, even though they probably should have lost. Not probably. They should have lost. And Sporting Kansas City getting a dub in their first game of this regular season. I've got my Johnny Russell jersey on right now. Rocking the sky blue kit that they rocked this past Saturday, which they'll be rocking for the rest of the season. Wore the all-black one two Fridays ago. Now i got the sky blue one on. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful jersey. Man, excited for more games. Excited for more games come the season. Sporting's first home game is this Saturday against Houston. That will be an exciting one. Two teams undefeated. Now, Houston did draw the first week, but you know what? Still technically undefeated. So that will be a fun one next Saturday at 7.30. Let's knock them off, Sporting. Just keep it going. Just keep it going. Going to an undefeated season and looking for another MLS Cup. That's what the main goal is. MLS Cup 2020. And one team who got their hands firmly grasped on a trophy is the UNI Panthers. Yes, great transition there from Logan. UNI Panthers win the MVC regular season title outright. Didn't tie, won it outright. Beating Drake, just beating Drake. There's nothing else I could say about that. They just destroyed Drake in this game. 70-43 to at the Nap Center in front of a sold-out Nap Center. You and I just showed why they're a class above everybody else in the Missouri Valley. Now, a lot of you and I fans, including myself, were nervous going into this game. Drake, a very solid home team. One loss at home all season. And the way Drake played up at the McLeod Center... Last time these two teams met, it was we. You were nervous. You were nervous. You also had Bradley playing Loyola, so you had that game there, which could have helped smooth things out. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. But you and I, Drake, seventy to forty-three. To be honest, I I, I really didn't see this one coming. I really did not see seventy to forty-three being a final. Here's thirty to eighteen at halftime, and then you and I upped it in the second half. Scored 40 in the second half, which if you can do math, you didn't need to tell him. You didn't need me to tell you that they scored 40 in the second half because uh, 30, 70 minus 30 equals 40. Uh, yeah, I could have figured that one out myself, Logan. Thank you, though. But yeah, utter domination here. And Austin Fife got upset that I did not give him the first ever two time unit of the week winner 17 rebounds or 17 points, 18 rebounds. Second time he's posted that line. In the past two weeks. Craziness. He did that against Southern Illinois, and now he's doing it against Drake, both in front of sold-out crowds. And because of that, Austin Fife was named the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Week, 27 points scored, 21 rebounds. Absolute domination in this game against Drake. He struggled in the first game, to say the least, the last time these two teams played. He had five turnovers, I believe, uh, four four fouls or something like that. Maybe I'm getting confused with that one and the Loyola game. Let's see if I got that one mixed around. I still oh no yeah he did he did he did same with the Loyola game no no, no it was just Drake game yeah 
So, yeah. Smooth smooth sailing here on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. But just a, a great overall performance from Austin 5. A.J. Green, 15 points, 4 assists in the game. Isaiah Brown, 15 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. As well, Spencer Haldeman only took one three in this game, but got five, got six points, four rebounds. Burhau, four points, six rebounds in the game. And Noah Carter, who has been awesome off the bench the past two games for you and I, 11 points in only eight minutes of action. Great game from Noah Carter. Again, he had a great game against Evansville. Now he's coming back with a great game against Drake. So last regular season home rest regular season game for a few seniors on the team Luke McDonald, Lincoln Connery, Justin Dahl, uh, Spencer Haldeman, Isaiah Brown. All of these guys played their last regular season game for you and I. All of them performed very very well for the Panthers this year in route to winning the MVC regular season title. You and I already had the number 1 seed basically locked up. Unless if they lost to Drake and it just dropped their net ranking like a freaking rock. Like a freaking boulder. More like a boulder than a rock. But you and I wins the conference outright. Loyola one game back, finishing 13-5 and in the Missouri Valley Conference, beating Bradley this weekend, finishing 21-10 and on the regular season. Bradley comes third, ch- tied with Indiana State. Southern Illinois comes fifth. Valpo and Missouri State tying for sixth. Drake in Illinois State, 8th and ninth, and then Evansville. Sadly, Evansville finished the regular season without a conference win. 0-18 in the conference are the Evansville Purple Aces. Hopefully they can get something going in Arch Madness. And this is what the bracket looks like for Arch Madness. The 7 versus 10 game will be Valparaiso versus Evansville. Even though Missouri State and Valpo both tied on conference standings, Valpo is the better net ranking over Missouri State, or uh, Missouri State is the better net ranking over Valpo. So Valpo plays in the seven game. And the eight nine game is Drake versus Illinois State. Drake's just a weird team. Looking at their record, eight and ten Missouri Valley, eighteen and thirteen overall. They have the joint fourth most wins in the Missouri Valley, yet they're playing in the eight nine game. Because they cannot win on the road. They are 2-10 on the road this year. 14-2 at home, but 2-10 on the road. That is one win better than 10-20 Illinois State, who went 1-11 on the road. That is crazy. And now these two are going to play each other, and the winner of that game will take on you and I. will take place at 12.05 that Friday. The games will tip off. On Thursday, Drake, Illinois State, 6.05 Central Time in St. Louis, Valpo versus Evansville, 8.35 on Thursday. The two seed in the bracket is Loyola, three seed Indiana State will take on Missouri State, and the four seed Bradley will take on the five seed Southern Illinois. So that is what the current bracket looks like for the Missouri Valley Conference. Those That is what the matchups will be. Bracket kicks off on Thursday. Very exciting time. Very, very, very exciting time. You and I, would do you think they got the number one? They think they got a Missouri, like, uh, what am I trying to say here? Do you guys think that they have the at-large bid locked up? Because right now, I I think they do. Winning the conference outright was big. Tying the conference would make it very, very hard if they don't win the conference tournament. If they win, they're in. Everyone knows that. 
But if they don't win it, I do think they're in. That's the question we have to face right now. Do we think you and I is in no matter what happens? Which I think they should be. 25 and 5, 16 and 0 at home, 14 and 4 in Missouri Valley Conference. I think they should be a lock to go to the tournament, but you never know with the selection committee. You never know. That's the this crazy slash sad part about March Madness. You have stuff like this where a team like you and I, if they don't win their conference tournament, could miss out on the big dance. But right now, if they don't win the tournament and if they don't go to the Missouri Valley Conference or if they don't go to the NCAA tournament, they have the NIT bid locked up. So you and I will be playing postseason basketball this year. We'll be in the NIT or in the Missouri Valley or in the I keep saying Missouri Valley or the NCAA tournament. That's what it's looking like right now. Lock for NIT, potential lock for the NCAA tournament. We'll have to wait and see. I think they're a lock, but again, you you never know. You never know. But congratulations to the UNI Panthers men's team on winning the Missouri Valley Conference outright, beating in-state rivals Drake twice this season and pounding them the last time these two teams played. And the national audience saw it. It was on ESPN2. So the nation saw it. This is a bad, bad day for Drake. Bad way to end the regular season for the Drake Bulldogs. The women's team... You and I have been this women's team went two and one and one this past weekend, beating Loyola on Sunday, losing to Valpo on Friday, losing to Valpo 72 to 69. Carly Rucker, 20 points in this game. Very, very, very close game for the UNI Panthers, but just couldn't get it done in the end. Cam Finley, 15 points for her. Bree Gunnels, 11.6 rebounds. Megan Moss, 10 points, 8 rebounds. But again, a close three-point loss to the Valparaiso Crusaders. And then going on to San- to Sunday against Loyola, 73-70 to was the final. Carly Rucker, again, 24 points. Scored 20 and 24 points this weekend. This one resulting in a win. Big fourth quarters for both teams. You and I scored 26 points in the fourth quarter. Loyola scored 27. Big, big fourth quarters. For both those teams, Nicole Kroger, 12 points. Megan Moss, 12 points. Bree Gunnels had 8 and 13 rebounds. And Cam Finley got 7 for them there. And Tierra Wallace for Loyola, 26 points for her in the game for Loyola. But it just wasn't enough in the end. You and I, big road win there this weekend to go into a much-anticipated matchup against the Drake Bulldogs coming up on Friday. Again, that is senior night. So if you're going to the game, make sure you rock your gold UNI gear. If not, it will be on ESPN+. And that will be the last regular season game of the year for the UNI Panthers. Conference tournament for the women's side starts March 12th in Malone, Illinois. So make sure you tune in to all of those games as well. Or go to them. Go to them. So see, if that, see if you want to go to them. If not, it will be on ESPN+. But yeah, good weekend for Logan Blackman. Good weekend. Sporting gets a win. Manchester United escape with a draw. Men's team wraps up the regular season title for Missouri Valley Conference. Women's team goes 1-1 one one this weekend. Big win over Loyola, anticipating a big matchup against Drake, the best team in the conference, if I remember right. I haven't checked the standings in a while. It's either them or Missouri State. They already beat Bradley, who was third in the Missouri Valley, so see if they can do that again, this time against Drake. 
So we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back, see if I have more success this weekend. we got Iowa and Iowa State basketball to talk about. If you didn't see the scores or don't know the scores for those games, we'll talk about that coming up right after this. Showtime, this is showtime, this is showtime 
why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow. But shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Visit BeReady.Iowa.gov and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by Ready Iowa, FEMA, and the Ad Council. This is Radio Without Rules. Well, sort of. 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. Everybody, we are back. It is 12:36 right now in Cedar Falls, Iowa. This year, first half-hour section t- reminder that you can follow the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media: Twitter at the underscore lb underscore show, Instagram the Logan Blackman Show on Instagram, Logan Blackman Show on Facebook. Go like the Facebook page and go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want. I guess, which. The YouTube channel and the podcast Twitter account, you don't really need to subscribe or anything or follow that stuff because we'll post it on Twitter. So you'll just get access to the video that way. But if you want to subscribe so you can see the numbers look better and become the most subscribed Logan Blackman on YouTube, then I would recommend doing that. But you don't have to if you don't want to. Go follow the Spotify account as well. Shows will be posted there after every single show. So go follow that. And if you don't have a live stream like today, that's your only way you can listen to Logan Lavin. So make sure you tune into that after two, because that's when the podcast will be posted up. So with that being said, let's dive right back into what we were talking about. We're talking about college basketball. If you forgot already, uh, Iowa and you and I have had very, very successful seasons, you would say, especially Iowa. Especially, well, especially you and I because they won the conference tournament. But Iowa, with how low expectations were at the start of the year, have had a very, very good season. And they just did another great thing this weekend by beating arguably the best road team in the Big Ten in Penn State. Penn State ranked 16th in the nation at the time of this game. Iowa ranked 18th, sold out Carver Hawkeye Arena and the Hawks. Did not disappoint. Luka Garza, 25 points, 17 rebounds, and four blocks in the game for the best player in college basketball. 25 points, 17 rebounds, four blocks for the best player in college basketball. Naismith National Player of the Year, Luka Garza, dominated in this game. C.J. Frederick was back from injury, scored 10 points at three assists as well. Wieskamp, 13 points for him and six rebounds. Toussaint led the team in assists with eight. McCaffrey, six points, four assists, 
No turnovers. It's a typical Connor McCaffrey game. Ryan Creener led the team scoring off the bench with eight. Bakari even had seven, and Cordell Pemsel had six. In a 77-68 to win over the Penn State Nittany Lions. And I've said this numerous times on the show. If you would have told me when Iowa just got smashed by DePaul in the second game of the season that they would be one of the top teams in the Big Ten and have the National Player of the Year on their roster, I would have called you crazy. I would have. What could you have pointed to at that point in time that said this Iowa team was going to be this good? And they're not, like, crazy good, but they have heart. And when this team plays together, they are very, very, very fun to watch. With the amount of injuries they've had this season, with the struggles they've had with tough losses to Nebraska, Purdue, DePaul, they keep bouncing back. You don't have Jordan Bohanna. You don't have Jack Nunji. You've barely had – you've had C.J. Frederick healthy, like fully healthy for a few games this year. Joe Toussaint is Mr. Inconsistent, only plays 15 minutes a game. This is not a recipe for winning basketball, yet they still win. They are 20-9 and nine this season. 20-9. That is crazy to me. For how what expectations were at the start of the season with knowing that Jordan Bohannon was going to be out, or you would hope he was going to be out. You were hope every Hawkeye fan was realistically hoping that Jordan Bohannon red shirts this year. That's what every Hawkeye fan wanted. I don't think there was one Hawkeye fan that was like, "Yes, Jordan Bohannon needs to play this year." Dude wouldn't practice because he was in so much pain. No Hawkeye fan really wanted Jordan Bohannon to keep playing. Everyone knew. For the betterment of the team, wait till next year, and this team could be really, really good. This team's already really good without Bohannon, who last year and the years prior was the best player on the team. You'd say him and Tyler Cook were the two best players on this team. Luca Garza, for everything that has gone on with this team, has just been fantastic this year. Or should I say, fantastic this year. Best coaching job of Fran McCaffrey's career. Whether in his time at Iowa or his time at Siena, wherever you want to call it, this is by far unquestionably the best coaching job of his career. And Luca Garza, I, no one saw this coming from him. No one saw going into the season that Luca Garza is going to be the national player of the year. And whether he gets named it or not, he deserves it. I think he will win it, but if he doesn't, he deserves it. He is absolutely crazy this year. This team has heart, more than anything. This team is not the most talented team in the world. You do not have a winning formula with Ryan Creener, Cordell Pemsel, and Bakari Evelyn coming off the bench. That is not winning, usually. But this team has heart, and they go out every single game, fight, and more often than not, come out on top. I love this Hawkeye. This Hawkeye team is fun to watch. And with some of the latest bracketology stuff coming out today, some matchups have the Iowa Hawkeyes going up against the UNI Panthers, which I don't want. 
because I would I don't want to see one of these two teams seasons end after the first game. I want to see these two teams go on to have great success in March. But if it does, it is what a lot of Iowa fans have been wanting this year. Iowa and UNI fans have been wanting to see UNI versus Iowa. Who is the better team? We'll have to wait and see. If that does happen, which again, I don't want it to happen because I want both teams to have success in March. But if it does, be exciting. Especially if it's in like Omaha or St. Louis or something. That would be awesome. You know how many Iowa fans would be down there? Like state of Iowa fans? Jeez. Sellout. Wherever the game is. Omaha, St. Louis, Cleveland. Heck, maybe even Seattle. Traveling fans. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere. But I want both teams to have success. I want it to happen in regular season play. I want it to happen then. I don't want to have it happen in the NCAA tournament first round. Now, they can meet in the national championship, put them on opposite sides of the bracket, and then have them meet up in the national championship in Atlanta. Then that would be an ideal situation. But yeah, the Hawks, great season. Great season. 77-68 victors over the Nittany Lions of Penn State. The Iowa Hawkeyes, their next game is a rematch game against the Purdue Boilermakers coming up tomorrow night at 8 on Big Ten Network. And then Iowa's last game of the regular season is coming up on the 8th of March at 6 at the number 23-ranked Illinois Fighting Illini. Crazy season. Absolutely crazy season. Iowa, you lose to DePaul, second game of the year. I don't don't know how... I'm just at a loss of words for this entire season for the Iowa Hawkeyes. For the Iowa State Cyclones, expectations before the season were relatively low. They were projected to finish, I think, 7th in the Big 12 this year. And then expectations got even lower once Tyrese Halliburton went down with a fractured wrist. Done for the season, more than likely done with his Iowa State basketball career. So you knew every game is going to be tough for the remainder of the season, and that's what it was on Saturday. Losing to Oklahoma State, 73-61. to Or Steer Bolton led the team in scoring with 16. Matt Jacobson had 13 points in the game. Went 100% from the free throw line. So good stop, good stuff there, but it just it just wasn't enough. McGriff for, for Oklahoma State, 19 points. Waters had 10. And then off the bench, Ziawaga, G... Giagua, Giagua, I don't know, 14 points off the bench for Oklahoma State. We talked about this on Friday. If not Friday, then Wednesday. This game is going to be tougher for Iowa State, in my opinion, than the game that they have in their next game against West Virginia. West Virginia has been in a weird run of form recently. And coming at Hilton, I think that's a more winnable game than the Oklahoma State game. They'll meet up tomorrow night at 8 on ESPNU if you want to watch it. West Virginia, since playing Iowa State like a month ago, has won one game. They have gone one in six since playing Iowa State. And they've only played two ranked teams along the way. They lost to Oklahoma twice and lost to Texas and TCU. Then they lost to Baylor and Kansas, which that one was expected. But the other four, those are kind of weird losses, especially the way they have been losing. Out of those games... Out of those six losses, five of them have been by double digits. The only one was against TCU, where they 
lost by seven. Other than that, lost by ten. I guess they lost by nine here, whatever, against Kansas. And 11, 7, 10, 11. Math's hard. So that's why I didn't realize Kansas had one nine win. But it's just been a weird setup for West Virginia this year. I think Iowa State, who has sucked on the road this year, sorry, Mom, sucked on the road. They have not had a single road win all season. Their closest road win, surprisingly, if they showed up in the first half, was against Auburn, <laughs> who was, at the time, I don't know if they still are, undefeated at home. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And then West Virginia, again, struggling. So hopefully Iowa State, for their fans' sake, can turn it back around. They're playing Kansas State on the 7th, who is last place in Big 12 play. Two wins in conference play for Kansas State. So hopefully Iowa State can get their first conference win or first road win of the season against Kansas State on March 7th. But the game coming up tomorrow against West Virginia. West Virginia is a 68% favorite in this game according to ESPN's matchup predictor. It's just gonna it's gonna be an interesting one. I'll just say it like that. It's gonna be an interesting one. West Virginia, terrible form recently. Iowa State has been in terrible form all season, but being at home, this might bode well for Iowa State, get a little upset win over the Mountaineers of West Virginia. Speaking of West Virginia, them and you and I played each other earlier in the season. You and I should have should have won the game. Realistically, you and I should have beat West Virginia. They just shouldn't show up in the second half. They let a big lead slip, but according to Joe Lenardi, who released his latest bracketology, they might have a chance to avenge that loss. Joe Lenardi has UNI and West Virginia meeting up in Greensboro as a 7-10 matchup, UNI being the 10 seed. Nice little revenge game for the UNI Panthers if that does go down. They play the winner of Maryland and Bowling Green. The Iowa Hawkeyes would take on the winner of Wichita State or Utah State in a playing game for a 5-12 matchup. That game will be in Cleveland. They play the winner of Creighton in Vermont. And Creighton, surprisingly, a surprising loss for Creighton against St. John's where they lost 91-71. to St. John's was 14-4, and 14-14 going in, 4-12 and in conference play, and beat Creighton by 20 points. I did not see that one coming for anything. Didn't see that at all, at all. They were second in the... They are still second in the Big East standings. St. John's, second to last in the Big East standings. I did not... It didn't even cross my mind that that would actually happen. But it did. Now, Creighton's got a couple fun games left. Georgetown and Seton Hall. Seton Hall currently sits atop of the Big East Conference with a 13-3 and record. See if Creighton can close the gap a little bit there. But I was shocked when I read that Creighton lost to St. John's, especially by how much they lost by. St. John's was 3-12 and going into that game in the conference and then beats Creighton by 20, 20 points. Goodness gracious. And Joel Lenardi, all the number one seeds in his latest bracketology are Kansas, Baylor, San Diego State, and Gonzaga. San Diego State playing in their natural habitat in the eastern side of the conference, the bracket, so makes sense, but... I don't know where else you would, <laughs> where else would you put him, but 
Yeah, the two seeds, Seton Hall, Maryland, Dayton, and Florida State. So we got some fun ones. Fun. It's going to be fun. March Madness. March 17th is when the tournament starts. We got Arch Madness coming up this Thursday. But the big boy tournament is coming up soon. And I, for one, am excited. Whenever the tournament gets announced, we will do the next Monday following Selection Sunday. Well, actually, would that be on that be on spring break, wouldn't it? Huh. Well, yeah, it would be on spring break. So we're going to have to talk about brackets at some point. The Monday after spring break, I guess, because we can't do a bracket live, so we'll just go over what I thought would happen and then how wrong I've been or if I'm perfect or whatever. We'll talk about that the Monday after the tournament starts. So, yeah, but it's exciting time. We are in March. How weird is that to say? We're in March. It doesn't it feels like yesterday I was just in Dallas watching the Bills beat up on the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day at AT&T Stadium. It does not feel like it was that long ago. It is March 2nd. This ah jeez, that's crazy. I this year has just flown by. Ever since I've been in college, it just feels like the years just go f- super fast. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And while we're on the topic of college basketball, let's go over the scores from the Missouri Valley Big Ten and Big 12. From Missouri Valley, Loyola beat Bradley 67-66. to One-point game for that one, but Loyola comes out on top. Bradley tried to come back in the second half, but just wasn't enough. Scored 39 points in the second half, did the Bradley Braves. But, again, just couldn't take it. Loyola, the two-seed in the upcoming tournament. Illinois State beat Evansville 71-60. to One of these things was going to change this weekend. Either Illinois State would get their first road win of the season or Evansville would get their first conference win of the season. It just so happened that it was Illinois State in their first road win of the season over Evansville. 0-18 in conference play are the Evansville Purple Aces. That is the same 0-18 Evansville Purple Aces that beat Kentucky earlier this year. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Indiana State locked up the three seed in the tournament, beating Valpo 71-58. Missouri State beat up on Southern Illinois 84-59, scored 45 points in the second half. Just a dominating performance from them. And you and I, as we said, 70-43 win over the Drake Bulldogs. So, yeah, Missouri Valley Conference Tournament is all set up. Here's the tournament again, if you didn't hear me earlier. UNI is the one seed with Loyola being the two seed. Indiana State, the three seed, will take on Missouri State. Bradley's the four seed, take on five seed Southern Illinois. UNI will take on the winner of eight seed Drake and nine seed Illinois State. And Loyola will take on the winner of seven seed Valpo and ten seed Evansville. Fun times. Fun, fun times. UNI's first game will be at 12.05 this Friday, March 6th. So make sure to tune into that game wherever you are. Or if you want to go down to St. Louis and watch it, go do that because it will be a fun one. For the Big Ten, we had games this weekend as well. Saturday, Michigan State beat Maryland 78-66. to Beat Maryland by 11 points in the first half and just went on cruise control in the second half to pull off the dub there. And Iowa beats Penn State at home 77-68. to Great win for the Iowa Hawkeyes there. 
On Sunday, Ohio State beat Michigan 77-63, scored 45 points in the second half to get the win there. Illinois beat Indiana 67-66. Nebraska falls to Northwestern 81-76. Sad stuff there for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. We are truly heartbroken for Nebraska, shooting 8 of 30 from the free throw line. How in... Jeez. Sorry, Nebraska. <laughs> I mean, we would do Nebraska loss tracker like we do in football, but they just, they have seven wins on the season. So it's kind of hard. It's a lot harder to do it in basketball because we can just do it every single – I guess easier, but not as fun because I like rubbing it in with football. They care about football more than basketball. In Wisconsin for the final game, beat Minnesota 71-69. to Big Ten basketball will resume – Tuesday, tomorrow night, we got Maryland against Rutgers, Michigan State at Penn State, and Purdue at Iowa. So we got fun games coming up on Tuesday night. Going up from Big 12 play, Saturday, we had Kansas beating Kansas State 62-58. Closer game than I was originally anticipating. TCU, upset of the weekend, beat number two Baylor, 75 to 72. 54 points scored in the second half by TCU. Crazy, crazy, crazy game in that one. Did not see that coming at all. Did not see the number one in two teams in the nation struggle as much as they did against not good teams in the conference. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Not a single ranked team in the Big 12 won this weekend. Oklahoma beat West Virginia 73-62. Texas beat Texas Tech 68-58. And then Oklahoma State beat Iowa State 73-61. Absolutely crazy scenes there coming out of the Big 12 for Tuesday night. Big 12 action tomorrow night. Texas against Oklahoma, 8 p.m. on ESPN2. And West Virginia at Iowa State at 8 on espn you and before we take our next break here on the Logan Blackman show, let's go over the newest AP and coaches poll top 25. Number one seed in both is the Kansas Jayhawks, followed by Gonzaga, Dayton, and Baylor, only dropping two spots after losing to TCU. Kind of surprising to me. San Diego State sits at five in both, followed by Kentucky in the AP poll. Florida State sits seventh with Seton Hall at seventh. Flip flop for both of them, Seton Hall at eighth in the AP poll. Florida State, eighth in the coaches' poll. We got Maryland, Louisville, Creighton dropping one spot in the AP poll, dropping to 14th in the coaches' poll. We got Duke at 12th in the AP poll, followed by Oregon, Villanova, BYU, Michigan State moved up eight spots in the latest rankings. Auburn, Iowa did not move in the rankings. Ohio State, Penn State dropping four spots. Then Houston, Virginia, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan dropping six spots. You and I, Panthers, received four votes in the latest AP Top 25. West Virginia, Colorado, and Texas Tech all dropped from the rankings. For the rest of the coaches' poll, uh, we have Villanova at 12, followed by Oregon, Creighton, Auburn, and BYU are both tied at 15. Michigan State, Iowa drops one spot to 18, so now they're both 18th in the AP and coaches' poll. Ohio State's 19th with Penn State at 20th. Houston, 21st, followed by Virginia, who's tied with Illinois with 22nd. And then Wisconsin and Butler round out the coaches' poll top 25. 
So it was just a crazy week of college basketball. Fun for some, terrible for others. Like Baylor and Creighton sucked for them. Great weekend for you and I Panthers fans and Iowa Hawkeye fans beating Penn State in front of a sold-out Carver Hawkeye Arena. And with that being said, we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. we got some XFL Week 4 stuff to talk about. We didn't get in a full preview on Friday. We did a lot of MLS stock on Friday, so we didn't get into it. But we'll talk about all of that in full release, the new power rankings for this weekend, and go right in to some NFL draft talk as well. Mock Draft 2.0 got pushed to two, to Wednesday, so I'll release that Wednesday. We've got more stuff to talk about the NFL draft as a whole instead of going over individual picks. we got all of that to talk about and more coming up right after this break. Clips out of the pink eye fountain. 
Long ago, you wouldn't think of galloping on a horse while doing calligraphy, and you wouldn't have attempted to ride your bike while typing a letter. Yet, you think you can safely operate a multi-ton vehicle while texting? Behind the wheel is no place to multitask. If you want to BRB, drive now and text later. Lives depend on it. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Want to reach out to us? The number is 273-KULT. That's 273-5858. Can't you just pretend you like us? 945-KULT. Everything you and I. Back here in Cedar Falls, Iowa, it's 105 right now. Can't wait to get the rest of the show underway. We got some XFL football to talk about. I'm really excited to talk about week four of the XFL. Now, sadly, I did not watch a single snap of the XFL this weekend. I I just didn't. The number one DC support, DC Defender Support Fan Club in Cedar Cedar Valley area, they were hosting, but I just didn't show up this week. I just wasn't. I just couldn't leave my house. I was tired, and I just didn't feel like watching the XFL. This is the problem that I said I was facing a couple weeks ago that the XFL is slowly losing me, and it's it's great at the start. It's great. All these things are always great at the start because we have that appetite for football all the time. So it's what always happens. There's always like, okay, we got to watch football. We got to watch football. We got to watch football. But then as it goes farther on, you're like, this isn't really fun to watch anymore. Now, if you're a fan of like Houston or St. Louis, you're having a blast watching the XFL. But if you're a Defenders fan like myself, you would rather not watch the XFL anymore. Uh, the D.C. Defenders have lost the past two games by a combined score of 64-9. to And this week, losing to the worst team in the league, Tampa Bay, 25 to nothing. Cardinal Jones struggled again, 9-22, of 72 yards, one pick. Just wasn't a great game 
all around for D.C. They have sucked the past two weeks, losing to two teams that didn't have wins prior to playing them. So this leads to the question, are the D.C. defenders, quote-unquote, frauds? Now, I don't know, because a lot of people have different definitions of frauds. Now, maybe they're just a terrible road team. So they dominated at home their first two games, playing Seattle and New York, embarrassing New York the second time. But they have been atrocious on the road. As we said, they've been outscored 64-9. to It's not a good score to... It's not a very good point scored or score point differential there. It's pretty bad. Cornelius for Tampa Bay had 211 yards, had a touchdown, also had 36 rushing yards and a touchdown there as well. And both running backs for Tampa, Smith and Patrick, each had over 100 yards rushing. Smith had 122 yards. Patrick, 108 yards and a touchdown. Davion Smith, former Michigan Wolverine, leading the way there. Just a terrible performance from D.C. They amassed, what, uh, 46 yards of rushing? 46 yards of rushing. That's 10 yards less, 10 yards more than the Tampa Bay quarterback had rushing the ball the entire game. They just utterly, they just dominated D.C., the amount of yards they put up compared to D.C. was just ridiculous. Net yards, Tampa Bay put up 477 yards of offense. D.C. put up 107. Tampa Bay doubled, more than doubled, D.C.'s total offensive plays. They had 80 offensive plays to 39 offensive plays. 266 rushing yards to 46. 200... 11 passing yards to 61 net yards passing. What an absolutely terrible game for the D.C. Defenders. Actually, terrible weeks for the D.C. Defenders. A lot of people love the D.C. Defenders going into the season. They're like, oh, they got the coolest uniforms. They've got the coolest quarterback in Cardale Jones. But no, Cardale Jones might be at risk at losing his starting job. With the way he's played the past two weeks against two winless teams in L.A., to make it worse for L.A., they were playing with backup cornerbacks, and he threw four interceptions. That's not going to fly here. They are an atrocious road team. And next week, they're going on to take on the second-best team in the XFL in St. Louis, who has been road warriors this year. I mean, they've only played two road games and went one-on-one in both of them. But they played very well against Houston in that second game and beat Dallas when they were nine-and-a-half-point underdogs the first week. St. Louis is a good team. St. Louis is a very, very good team. Now we'll see if D.C. is a very good home team or if – I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what to think. And the power rankings for this week, I don't even have a good answer for you. Because D.C. looked awesome the first two weeks, was ranked second going after week two. They were first after week one, and then second week two, and then they've just been dropping like crazy. They sucked the past two weeks. Sucked. Sucked, man. They were awful the past two weeks. But Houston, still undefeated. Unlike D.C., who was up there with Houston at the start of the year in my power rankings, Houston 
is very, very good. Houston is extremely talented. they got the best quarterback in the league by far. I, I shouldn't say by far. Jordan Tiamu is pretty good as well. But P.J. Walker, MVP of the league so far, unless he just craps it down the toilet for the rest of the year, struggled in this game a little bit. Had two touchdowns, one interception, completed only 61% of his passes, but they had a good game. Cam Phillips, his favorite target all year, had nine yards, and yet they still ended up winning the game. Just a great overall performance from the entire team because usually Cam Phillips is the the main focal point of the offense and main target for P.J. Walker. And Cam Phillips last week had 194 receiving yards and three touchdowns. He had three touchdowns in back-to-back weeks against St. Louis and Tampa had nine yards receiving, and they still ended up pulling out a big dub at Dallas. Dallas, zero wins at home this year, which is crazy to think about. Landry Jones, 205 yards, three picks in the game. Not great at all. Big reason why they lost the game. But Houston is just a very dominant team, very good team this year. Going back to Saturday, we had the New York Guardians getting their second win of the season over the LA Wildcats, 17 to 14. If you listen to the show when we were talking about the X, the AAF, you would know that Luis Perez, former quarterback of the Birmingham Iron, is the dude. Luis the dude Perez got the start for New York and got them the dub in this game. Great game from Luis Perez, 150 yards passing, one touchdown in the game, completes 69% of his passes. Victor had 82 yards rushing in the game in a 17-14 victory over the L.A. Wildcats. Crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. And then St. Louis, 23-16 victors over Seattle, one of the more predictable games of this week. St. Louis beating Seattle. Uh, Seattle played four quarter, three quarterbacks in this game. Well, I shouldn't say they played. The Keenan Reynolds played quarterback at one point in this game. Former college quarterback, now receiver, played quarterback this one. Silvers, former starter, might get changed re- soon, went 4 of 10 passing in the game. B.J. Daniels, former USF quarterback, 5 of 10, one touchdown, one pick. Keenan Reynolds, one completion, two attempted. Nothing too much crazy there. B.J. Daniels led the team in rushing with 84 yards. For St. Louis, Jordan Tiamu, 264 yards passing and touchdown, also led the team in rushing with 64 yards there. Just a good overall team, St. Louis. Got the best home support in the league. 27,000 seats sold in that stadium, which for an XFL team is very impressive. It's been very, very good since week one. Had a very close matchup with Houston, but... Houston's just the best team in the league, so you have to fight. You have to throw your best stuff at Houston every single week, which everyone does. They've had very close games the past three weeks, but they just always find a way to win. And for my week four power rankings for the XFL, has got number one Houston, still undefeated, got the best player in the league, so doesn't need to change their number two, St. Louis, the only one loss on the season. Pretty self-explanatory there. And then this is where it just is a crapshoot. I don't know where to rank anybody throughout the rest of this list. So for the three spot, I'm going to give it to Dallas. Dallas has lost two games 
but have played well on the road. They are 2-0 and on the road this year. Surprisingly, 0-2 at home. But their two home losses have been very, very close games. Lost by six to St. Louis and lost to Houston by seven. And those two teams are the top two teams in the Logan Blackman Show power rankings for the XFL. So there's that. So, yeah, I don't. Then it, that's the easy part. The rest of these teams, I have no idea. With the way DC's been playing, I want to put them last, but I can't. So I don't know where to put them. I have no idea where to put Houston or DC because LA crushed them and Tampa crushed them. But are those two teams superior or are they just one off games? I don't know. That's the thing with if, is DC frauds or not. They got absolutely pounded these past two weeks, dismantled the past two weeks. So for number four, I don't know. Who do you put at number four? It's got to be L.A. or D.C., doesn't it? Because D.C.'s got two wins, but L.A. killed them. But L.A.'s only got one win. Could it be New York? But D.C. beat New York by 27 points. So I don't know. (laughs) We just have a joint fourth spot with D.C., New York, and L.A., and then Tampa at seven and Seattle at eight. Tampa's played very well these past two weeks. 27 points against Houston and then 25 points against D.C. without D.C. scoring a single point in that game. Ever since switching quarterbacks to Cornelius, they've looked very, very good and almost took it to the best team in the league and then just destroyed one of the better teams at the beginning of the year, at least we thought. And Seattle, I don't know because Seattle beat Tampa, but Seattle's got to be last. So we got Houston, St. Louis, Dallas, and then a joint fourth-place spot for L.A., New York, and D.C. Because all three of those teams have beaten each other. New York beat L.A., L.A. beat D.C., D.C. beat you, New York. Uh, L.A.'s got one win, but that one win was a dominating win. New York, two wins. And D.C., two wins as well, beating New York. So I don't know. I don't know where to put these teams. So they're all at fourth. L.A., New York, and D.C. all at fourth. And then Tampa at seventh and Seattle at eighth. That's what I'm feeling right now. Because though Seattle beat Tampa, I think if they replayed that game, I think Tampa would win. 27 points against Houston and then 25 points against D.C. That's very impressive stuff. And now we get to see the Tampa Bay Vipers versus the L.A. Wildcats this weekend. So that should be a fun matchup there. St. Louis versus D.C. will be an interesting one. See if D.C. can bounce back and if Seattle can, if St. Louis can stay hot. Playing very good on the road this year. Played very well on the road this year. New York is playing Dallas and Seattle is playing Houston. So those are your games coming up for this week. We'll talk about those more coming up on Friday. And with that being said, let's dive right into some NFL talk. So those are your XFL things. Power rankings just released again. And, yeah, it's just been a weird season for the XFL. It's been weird. It's been weird. Power rankings are weird, especially now, because I thought I had a set order going into this weekend. And then, like last Monday, they were pretty self-explanatory. I didn't have to think about it too much. I just went in and did it. Today, I don't know where to rank any of them. (laughs) I know who the best team is. I know who the second best team is. That's about it. Other than that, it's a crapshoot. So with that being said, let's just go right into the NFL stuff. 
So, as I said earlier, Mock Draft 2.0 will be released on Wednesday. I want to do something else today. So, once we get past 1.30, we're going to go over each pick in the draft and what to expect from each team at those picks. So, go through 1-32. through 32, Instead of drafting a player, for today, we're just going to talk about what we think could happen with those picks or what the team should do. So, by Wednesday, we'll have a fully new mock draft. All of that stuff will be ready for you on Wednesday. Sorry for the delay. It was supposed to be last Monday. And then I was like, wait a minute, let's wait till after the combine. And that was supposed to be today. And then just never got to it this weekend. And, well, I did, but I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the new one. Okay? I had this problem at some points last year. I have a few spots where I've locked up places. But the rest of them, I don't really know. Because there's so many teams that look like they might need quarterbacks and some teams that don't but may draft quarterbacks. And I don't know who's going to trade up because you got like, so the Bengals are going to take one, the Dolphins, Chargers might take one, the Panthers, uh, the Colts, the Raiders, the Buccaneers. Like We got all these Saints, Packers, Patriots. We got all these teams that could need quarterbacks and trade up, but I don't know where these teams are going to take them at. So that's the hard part here. It's the hard part. It's the very it's the very hard part. But when we talk about these teams that need quarterbacks, some of them already have quarterbacks. But the reports going around about if this team likes this quarterback or not has been insane, especially the pat this weekend. I saw something on Friday that said the Raiders are done with Derek Carr. It was like it was last week at some point. I don't remember when it was, but the Raiders are done with Derek Carr. Now, they've been very vocal in their support of Derek Carr as of late. Like at the Combine, they were like, yeah, Derek Carr is our guy. I like Derek Carr. But the same thing was said about Josh Rosen last year with the Arizona Cardinals. The exact same time. got ended up getting traded. So I don't know. Derek Carr, if he does leave, my, guess, my best guess is that he would go to Chicago. If he gets traded, it'll probably be to the Bears. If he's gone, it will be to Chicago. And I think that would be perfect for the Chicago Bears. But are the Bears smart enough to do that? I don't know. I think the Bears will go after Andy Dalton. Apparently, they've already been in talks. We've been talking about this possibility since last fall. So now it's just starting to happen. I think that's destined to happen. Andy Dalton going to Chicago. Got the old OC from Cincinnati. And... It's going to be like a Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota type deal we got going on here. Andy Dalton coming as the backup, say, oh, I know my role, like Mary, like Tannehill did this last year. Trubisky goes down hurt. Dalton comes in. Bears go to the playoffs. NFC Championship game, lose, and then he signs a big deal, and then Trubisky's out the door. That's basically what we're looking at here. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. I'm pretty dead set on that, but... If something crazy happens where Brady signs with the Raiders and the the Raiders trade Carr, I would think Carr would go to the Raiders. That's if that happens. But as of right now, if it doesn't happen, the Bears are going after Andy Dalton. That's my utmost opinion. Now, there's a video, speaking of Tom Brady, there was a video of him and Andy Dalton, or not Andy Dalton, uh, Julian Edelman, at a Syracuse game. And... Julian Edelman said he's coming back, and then Brady says, no, he's not. I don't know if Brady's just trying to play to the media or not, 
But Brady, I don't know if he's coming back or not. My gut feeling says he's coming back. I cannot envision Brady playing for another uniform, playing for another team. Now, we said the same thing about Peyton Manning, but we knew they were done with him when he had the next surgery. So we're like, we just have to envision it. We can't, I can't envision Tom Brady playing for somewhere else. Oakland, I can envision him in that, but the Raiders fans and Tom Brady don't have a great relationship, and him and Sean Gruden, Gruden's not desperate to go after Tom Brady. They're not all in on Tom Brady. Because, again, I don't know if he's even an upgrade on Derek Carr at this point in their careers. Is Tom Brady an upgrade on Derek Carr? That's that's a big question we have to ask ourselves here. Is Derek Carr, or is, is Tom Brady an upgrade on Derek Carr as of right now? Now, <laughs> um, that being said, maybe he's not, but you draft a quarterback, say Jordan Love, and you groom him under Brady. That might be the ultimate plan, because you're pushing me if you want me to say that Brady's an upgrade on Carr in this point in his career. Two years ago? Definitely. Not even close. But now, I, I don't know. Brady's 42 years old. Didn't have a great year for Tom Brady's standards. He's declining. The Patriots receivers struggled last year. And the Raiders don't really have receivers. They have a really good tight end, which is what Brady loved with Gronk. A nice receiving tight end in Darren Waller. You got Tyrell Williams, who's talented. Now he could go after a wide receiver in the draft as well. So the Raiders could do anything. Other quarters say, go after Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady going to the Titans? Is Tom Brady going to the the Raiders? Is Tom Brady going to the Bears? Is Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers? Is Tom Brady staying in New England? I don't know. My gut says New England, but my gut's been wrong plenty of times before. And speaking of Tampa Bay, Jameis, the Peter King says, it's very likely Jameis does not play for Tampa next year. But again, I cannot inv- I don't know who would take on Jameis. <laughs> I don't think the Buccaneers like him. But I don't know who would take him with the Col- I, with the Colts. I could see him going to the Colts because then Philip Rivers goes to Tampa. He's got a house in Florida, so maybe Philip goes to the Tampa Bay Bucks, and then Jameis goes to Indianapolis. I could see that. I could, I could see that. But there's also a thing that said the Tampa Bay Bucks are in heavy on Teddy Bridgewater which Teddy is a better quarterback than Jameis. I think we know that because he doesn't turn the ball over. Very different style of quarterback, but he doesn't turn the ball over. And Tampa's got some talented wide receivers. They got no running game and no all-line, but they got a very talented receiving core. Spearheaded by Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Dominating receiver core. Now all they need to do is not turn the ball over, and they could be a really solid team. A very solid team. Very solid. I don't know if he would go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't. He's from Florida. I thought he would go to the Dolphins, What? when was it, last year? When he was up for his contract, he was up for a new deal. Because he's from Miami. But he didn't end up going there. And the Dolphins had other plans about going for Tua. So, made sense there. Oof. But... It's just weird. Jaguars are also talking about getting rid of Nick Foles. They want to trade him. Gardner Minshew is going to start this year, apparently. So, I don't know. There's so many weird things going on in the NFL with quarterbacks this year. I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on. I don't know what's happening. I think Teddy is going to get a big contract for either Tampa, Indianapolis, or L.A. 
the Chargers. That's what I'm feeling right now. That's what my gut is telling me. But I also think the Chargers will just be content with just going with Tyrod Taylor this year and drafting a quarterback. Now, is that the smartest thing for their future? Probably not because they need help on the O-line and some help on defense. If Isaiah Simmons is available, it's going to be hard to pass on. But you do need the quarterback of the future. Now, if you get Teddy, that would sure up a quarterback spot for at least two, three years, and you can build the offensive line again because your right side of your O-line is atrocious. Left side's aging, right side's garbage. So that's the problem we got to face with all these different quarterbacks. I don't know what they're going to do because it affects the draft. Because you got Teddy, Brady, Jameis, uh, Derek Carr, Nick Foles, who else? Taysom Hill, um, Andy Dalton. You got all these quarterbacks out there. They're up for trades or being free agents. They're going to sign somewhere. And then. That affects the teams that are going to draft quarterbacks. So what if the Chargers go out and sign Teddy? They're not going to draft a quarterback with a sixth pick. Teddy's like the hottest free agent this year. He's not going to, They're not going to draft a quarterback at six. They're going to take an O-lineman. So if they don't do that and keep Tyrod, then they're more than likely going to draft a quarterback. If the Raiders trade Carr and take Brady, they're going to draft a quarterback. If not, they're going to draft a wide receiver or a linebacker or somebody or a linebacker and wide receiver. Or D tackle. I don't know. That's the problem with all these freaking quarterbacks being free agents. I like it when there's like one free agent quarterback and there's we're pretty we already pretty much know where he's gonna go. This year's different, and that makes it frustrating and nerve wracking for a person that's very anal about this kind of stuff. You got 32 teams in the league. About 16 teams are looking at a quarterback. <laughs> That's the problem we got here. Jeez, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. We'll go through each pick in the first round and talk about what each team might do or should do or whatever. We'll talk about all that more coming up right after this.
You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. In the wake of a disaster, what one thing can you send that will help people the most? A blanket, a tent, a sandbag, a doctor. Actually, if you send a monetary donation, you send all these things. Even a small donation can make a big impact and can quickly become exactly what people affected by disaster need most. In the wake of a hurricane, your monetary donation can make a huge difference to those in need. To donate, visit supporthurricanerelief.org. That's supporthurricanerelief.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. If variety is the spice of life, we must be the best-tasting radio station in the Cedar Valley. 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. And welcome back. It is 1.34 right now, so we got just under a half hour left in today's edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Reminder, Mock Draft 2.0 will be released on Wednesday. I know I keep delaying this like crazy, but you know what? It's whatever. It's my show. I can delay things whenever I want to. So, frig off. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. But we are going to talk NFL Draft stuff today. Even though it's not Mock Draft 2.0, we are going to talk some draft stuff. We're going to go through each pick, 1 through 32, and talk about what we think they should slash will do, or maybe do, if I was GM for all 30, or all of these teams. Which I saw something earlier that ever since the draft started, there's been not one year where all 32 teams have drafted in the first round, have had a draft pick in the first round. Not once. Or maybe it was once, I can't remember. But whatever. 
So starting off at the top of the mock draft or top of the draft is the Cincinnati Bengals. This is sad on my part. I know the draft order without looking up the draft order. That's how many times I have done these stupid mock drafts. I don't need to see the order to know the order. I know the order, and that is very sad on my part. I am ashamed. Let's kind of ashamed slash proud of that because I could be doing so much better things with my time than just focusing solely on the NFL draft and the combine and all that stuff. The combine's awesome, but we're not here to talk about the combine. We're here to talk about the number one pick in the draft, the Cincinnati Bengals, the obvious one, taking Joe Burrow. I think that's what they're going to do. I think that's what they will do. And I think that's the smart decision to go with there. Now, there's a possibility of them trading back, but I don't see that happening. There's also a chance they draft Tua or Justin Herbert. I don't see that happening. Apparently, after his first interview with the Bengals, the Bengals fell in love with Joe Burrow, kind of like what the Browns did with Baker. Now, I'm not saying Joe Burrow is going to be Baker Mayfield. I think Joe Burrow might be better than Baker Mayfield. I love Joe Burrow. Baddest dude on the planet. Remember that? Joe Burrow is the baddest man alive. And he's going to turn that Cincinnati Bengals franchise around. Hopefully, hopefully he does for Bengals fans' sake. And if they get A.J. Green back, which he wants A.J. Green back, the Bengals wide receiver, not the UNI basketball player, they could be a very, very good offense. Two solid receivers in the outside. So actually, two very good receivers in the outside. One of the best running backs in the league with a young quarterback that's confident in everything he does. That might be a good offense. It's, it has the pieces to be a very, very good offense. O-line needs to improve, but that is a very talented offense for being the worst team in the NFL last year. Quarterback away for the offensive side. Defensive side, another story. Number two pick, I know there's the rumors of them drafting two or a Burrow or whatever. That's just a smokescreen to get the Dolphins to trade up with them. That's what's going on here. The Redskins are doing the same thing the Browns did with the Buffalo Bills back when they drafted Baker Mayfield, trying to say they were drafting Josh Allen. They never were drafting Josh Allen. They were saying that so the Bills would trade up to get that number four pick. Because the Browns, remember, back in that draft, had the first and fourth pick. That's the same thing the Redskins are doing here. The Redskins have no picks. They have, like, five picks the entire draft and no second-round picks. Dolphins have three first-round picks. The Redskins aren't going to draft a quarterback. They're going to either draft Chase Young or trade back with the Dolphins. That's what's going to happen here. I'm pretty, I'm very confident in saying that. Trade back with the Dolphins. That's what they're doing. Oh, we're doing our due diligence on the quarterbacks. This is different than last year because I know everyone will point to last year and say, oh, the Cardinals didn't work out well for them. There's no connection with these quarterbacks and Ron Rivera. That's the thing we got to note here. There was a connection with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury literally said if he had the number one overall pick, he would draft Kyler Murray. Those are words that came from his mouth, his literal mouth. There's a video of it. There's no connection with Rivera and these quarterbacks they're talking about. Now, that being said, he doesn't have a connection with Haskins either. But Rivera, being a defensive-minded coach, is probably going to want to build a strong defense. So if you trade back, you would get, I don't know, whoever you want, because the Lions wouldn't trade back, so that means they'd get Chase Young. So you'd probably take Jeff Akuda or something, because you let Josh, Josh Norman go. Good for you guys. He sucks. 
And then you could draft an old lineman with the next pick or a defensive player with the next pick. Just load up on draft picks if you do that. But it, conventional wisdom says just draft Chase Young. Uh, the Lions, that I cannot see them not trading back. I can't not see it. They're going to trade back with Miami if the Redskins don't do that. And if so, they're going to draft Jeff Okuda. Their defense was atrocious last year, and it made it even worse because they have a defensive head coach. Jeff Okuda, by far the best cornerback in this draft, not even close, has had zero penalties his time at Ohio State, zero errors at his time at Ohio State, is just a machine at corner. They're looking at trading Darius Slate. If not, keep Darius Slate and have those two opposite each other. Your past evens would go from the worst or one of the worst to one of the best, you would assume. Now, they got a hole in the middle of the defense. Derek Brown could possibly fill that. But I think Jeff Okuda has to be the pick if they trade back. Or even if they stay, Jeff Okuda is a baller. New York Giants have four. Now, this is where we get really interesting. I think the Giants will do three things. They'll trade back. They'll draft the best available O-lineman or take Isaiah Simmons. I think Dave Gettleman really likes Isaiah Simmons. I Because he said defense wins championships. Dude literally plays all over the defense. He would instantly change their defense. Now, O-linemen, I have heard rumors that they love Tristan Wirfs. If you watch Tristan Wirfs at the Combine, and I know for me, 40-yard dashes do not mean squat for linemen because they're never running 40 yards in a straight line. The only people that really matters for are corners and wide receivers. Other than that, it don't really matter what your 40 time is because, again, there's a difference between football speed and 40-yard dash speed, which... Some of you might not get, and I'm not going to explain it because I've done it numerous times on the show. But Tristan Wirfs put on a show at the Combine. Remember what I said on Wednesday? The two linemen that need to have a good day at the Combine are Tristan Wirfs and Mekhi Becton. Those two had the best performances out of the offensive linemen at the Combine because Wirfs was talked about not having the mobility and speed to play tackle. Mekhi Becton just needed to prove that he could move for being as big as he is. Both those guys had the best combine days for the offensive linemen. You can go listen back to the Wednesday show. Those were the two people we said needed to have the best days for the linemen. Look what happened. Look what happened. I think the the Giants really like Tristan Wirfs. So if they trade back, that's who I would take. But if they like Mekhi Becton, which has been linked with ever since Daniel Jeremiah released his first mock draft, do that. But I think the Giants could really, really trade back in with a team that's needy for a quarterback. Number five, the Dolphins trade up, take, take Tua. Not that hard. Moving on. Chargers, this is where we get interesting again. This all depends on who they get at quarterback this offseason. Whether they keep Tyrod or they get Teddy, that changes what their pick is. If they keep Tyrod, trade up for a quarterback. If they tra- sign Teddy, take an offensive lineman or take Isaiah Simmons. That's what the Chargers need to do. If one of those, it, it all depends on who they get. And that's what the problem, I don't know what to do. If they draft, if they take Teddy, they're not going to draft a quarterback. If they keep Tyrod as the starter, they'll take a quarterback. If they have Teddy, they'll draft an offensive lineman or take Simmons. That's what my gut's telling me there. So it's, it's all dependent on who they get at quarterback. The Carolina Panthers... At seven, just take the best defender available. 
You got holes at defensive tackle and at linebacker, so whichever one you feel is the best defender for you guys, take them. Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons, either one will fill up a massive hole in your defense. Simmons would instantly replace Keekley. Imagine him next to Shaq Thompson. Ooh. Derek Brown would replace Gerald McCoy. Panthers didn't have a good run defense last year. Those two guys are going to be the dudes that they take at number seven. In my opinion, that's what I'm feeling they're going to do. Now, you could also trade up for a QB if you really want to. Cam Newton's coming back, but if you don't feel like he's going to be there for the foreseeable future, take a quarterback or trade back. Either one. But I would look at Simmons or Brown with that seventh pick. The Arizona Cardinals at eight. Uh, CeeDee Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to be the guy Kyler Murray's going to be pushing for. I think the Cardinals also should look at drafting an offensive lineman for obvious reasons for the line sucking. So you could take, I think it's going to be CeeDee Lamb or an offensive lineman. They signed DJ Humphreys to a big deal to show up the left side, see what they do with the right side. But CeeDee Lamb would be a great get. Kyler Murray and him have chemistry from dating back in college. So if when Larry Fitzgerald retires next season, you're going to have the two wide receivers, your number one and two wide receivers, are going to be wide receivers your starting quarterback has played with in college, in CeeDee Lamb and Christian Kirk. Both those guys he played with. So why not just get the other guy now? Your one and two receivers are going to have instant chemistry with their starting quarterback. Perfect for me, but taking a lineman would make a lot of sense as well. The Jacksonville Jaguars, same thing as the Panthers, take the best player available. Whether it's Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons, take one of those two. Whoever the Panthers don't take, take that guy here at nine. Now you could also trade back with a quarterback needy team who's just getting nervous. So you could trade back, but Brown or Simmons are going to be the guy that they look at first and foremost. Offensive lineman could make a strong case for an offensive lineman here or wide receiver as well. But I think it'd be Simmons or Brown for the Jaguars here at nine. Number 10, the Browns take the best O-lineman available. They just have to take the best O-lineman available. Whoever they believe that is, they got to get an offensive lineman. Their O-line's not great. It's not good at all, but it's not gr- it's not great. Get a guy that can sure up either your right side or left side of your offensive line. Try to go after Trent Williams this offseason. Your tackle situation, figure it out. That's what, it would, that's what I would be. Or, dark horse situation here. Trade Odell Beckham and draft a wide receiver. Ah, look at that. Maybe we do that here because Odell, maybe the Browns don't want to keep him anymore. Maybe they're tired of the distractions. Look out for that dark horse scenario. I was trying to come up with three things to do for each team, and the Browns, when I was trying to think of a third one, I was like, ooh, imagine that. How crazy would that be? Just look out for that. Look, look, Keep your eyes open for that. And if it does happen, I'll be replaying this audio for days and years on end because this is the first time I came up with this this morning. I did not get this from anybody else. So if this happens, we're replaying this audio, but I would take an offensive lineman, to be, <laughs> to be honest. But if you trade Odell, Jerry Judy is going to be very enticing there. Uh, number 11, the New York Jets take the best O-lineman available. Uh, Jack Conklin is apparently not signing with the Jets. So you got to figure out your offensive line. you got to protect Sam Darnold. Receiver is going to be big need here, but 
you've got other picks in the draft. You've got early second-round picks that could take a very, very good receiver. So go with the offensive lineman here and help protect Sam Darnold. Uh, Number 12, the Raiders, their first of two first-round picks. Raiders take the best player available. Offensive defense, whether they believe that's a wide receiver, whether they believe that's Simmons, whether they believe it's uh, Javon Kinlaw, whatever, take the best player available. If not, this is the scenario on what we're talking about if they move on from Derek Carr and go with Brady. Trade up for a quarterback. I think Jordan Love would be a very nice get for the Raiders. They play in a division with Patrick Mahomes. He has been compared to Patrick Mahomes. Not saying he is Patrick Mahomes. He has similar traits to Patrick Mahomes. So get him, groove him under Brady, and then eventually get him to start. I saw some weird rumor that saw Phillip Rivers going to the Raiders. I w- That will never happen in a million years. Now, if that happens, I will try to avoid this audio for as long as it, as long as possible. But I cannot see that Rivers playing for the Raiders. Just be weird. Uh, the Colts uh, trade up for a QB would be the ideal situation here. Whether that be Jordan Love or Justin Herbert, whoever gets taken first, take the next best guy. Trade up with somebody. Take your quarterback of the future. If not, just stay put. Take the best available. And for the Colts, that might be wide receiver. It might be Javon Kinlaw. Those are the two players and positions that I would see the Colts really pushing at at number 13. If they trade up for a quarterback, do that. If not, take a wide receiver or Javon Kinlaw because Derek Brown's not going to be available. So just do that. Uh, Number 14, Tampa Bay. Take the best player available on either line, O-line or D-line. That's what the Bucks need to do here. They have struggles on both the offensive line and the defensive line. So take the best player available from those two groups would be the best option. Or you could trade up for a quarterback or trade back with a team that wants another position because there's not going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are available here. So maybe you trade back and take Eason later in the first round with a team that wants like a wide receiver and edge rusher or somebody. That could also be a possibility here. But for right now, I would just say take the best offensive lineman or best defensive lineman available. The Denver Broncos, this one's an interesting one. Take the best offensive player available. Wide receiver, offensive tackle. That's what they got to do here. They have no speed on the outside. So if Henry Ruggs is available, like I had in my first mock draft, that would be a very good pick for the Denver Broncos. But they also need help in the O-line because Garrett Bowles stinks. Straight up, he just stinks. So getting off to lineman to replace him would be a very good wise pick here. Or just trade back. If you feel like you can get an off to lineman later, with the you can get a significant return for that pick, do that. But receiver or O lineman will be the number one need for the Broncos in this draft. The Falcons, simple, take the best edge rusher. Whether it's Kalevon Chison or AJ Epineza, one of those two. Take those two and don't look back. Your edge rushing sucked. You need to figure out that defense. Again, defensive head coach, figure out your defense, your offense, talent all across the board. Take an edge rusher. Don't look back. Dallas Cowboys, secondary, whether it's a safety or corner, one of those two, just figure out one of those two spots and don't look back. Because Byron Jones looking at leaving and looking like he's going to go to the Raiders. So now you have a hole at corner. Uh, Xavier McKinney from Alabama might be a very smart pick here because he can play both. 
So just somebody in the secondary. Now, if Javon Kinlaw is available, that might push the Cowboys in that direction as well. Build up a strong defensive line for the Cowboys. So we'll have to wait and see what they do here. But it's going to be a defensive player because Jerry Jones has said that they will focus on free agency and the draft to build up the defense. Because again, their offense, like the Falcons, has talent. More talent than the Falcons are evil. Well, that's very debatable. I don't know. But need to figure out the defense. Miami Dolphins' second pick. Uh, this all depends on who they trade up with. If they trade up with the Redskins, this pick will be the Redskins. If they trade up with the Lions, this pick will still be Miami's. But for this scenario, if they still have the pick, take the offensive tackle that's available. Because there's going to be four that get taken in the top 20. Wirfs, Becton, uh, Wills, and... George and Andrew Thomas and then you got Josh Jones from Houston and Jackson from USC so you got six offensive tackles that you could take in the first round take one of them here your old line stinks you got rid of both tackles this offseason trade Laramie Tunsil and let Juwan James go to Denver so you just need to figure out who your offensive line is going to be this year need tackles need 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 tackles Got to get a tackle at some point in the first round of your Miami. Number 19, the Raiders. Uh, linebacker corner is what I think is going to go on here. Whether Christian Fulton, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Quinn, um, C.J. Henderson, anybody. Just stir up the defensive side here. Whether you do an offensive player with the first pick, a defensive player with the second one. The linebacker has been heavily linked here. I had Kenneth Murray going here in my last mock draft. I think that's still... A very big possibility for for Las Vegas. Just get one of those two situ- two spots figured out because your linebacking stinks, and your cor- your secondary is woeful. So just get that stuff figured out at this pick. Uh, number twenty, the Jaguars, another first round pick team. Got two first round picks here for Jacksonville. Uh, depending on who's available, you get who you couldn't get at the ninth pick. If that makes sense. So if you're going after a corner like Akuda, he gets taken, take corner here. D-tackle, Kinlaw's still there somehow at 20, take him. Uh, linebacker, need help at linebacker, take uh, Murray or Quinn here. So that's what I would do here. It's going to be defensive heavy first round for Jacksonville. They were called Saxonville and went to the AFC Championship game. They are nowhere near that now. They could go after an offensive lineman here. It's a very realistic option here for Jacksonville. But I think in this first round, they will focus more on defense than anything else. Just in my opinion right now. Philadelphia, uh, corner or wide receiver? Easy. Those are the two needs that they had all season. Wide receivers stunk all year. Carson Wentz is like the first quarterback in NFL history to have throw for 4,000 yards to have a receiver over 400 yards. And then their cornerbacks just weren't healthy. Their secondary was just riddled with injuries all year. So it's one of those two. I think with the first round, depending on who's available, take the wide receiver. Apparently they really love LaVisca Chenault. Now there is a chance he might fall the second round because he says he needs a core surgery or something like that. So you can get him in the second round. If I don't really know if the Eagles have second round picks now that I say that. But 21st, LaVisca Chenault, very solid pick for Philly if – you want to take him here. Buffalo, wide receiver is what I would do here. You can fill up other holes this offseason. Now, uh, Ngakwe 
from Jacksonville is getting franchise tagged. But they, Jacksonville got no leverage in this situation. So Buffalo could get him easily if for a trade or just sign him in general. Get Jadavian Clowney if that's available. Or sleeper pick, go after a linebacker like Kenneth Murray or Patrick Quint. One of these two, because you got to replace Lorenzo Alexander, that would be a solid pick there. But I think wide receiver's got to be it. Justin Jefferson's going to be a very would be a very solid pick here. Uh, dream pick is Henry Ruggs. Speed on the outside. Bills look at what the Jet, what the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers did with the amount of speed they have on the outside. Buffalo could easily recu- re, uh, replicate that. You got John Brown, Robert Foster, Isaiah McKenzie, and you got Cole Beasley in the slot. Henry Ruggs and John Brown on the outside. Jeez. Goodness gracious. For even an arm as strong as Josh Allen's, I don't think he could overthrow those guys. Uh, number 23, New England. The Patriots rarely use their first-round picks. So picturing them using this pick or not trading back at all is weird to me. So I would say they're probably going to trade back with, depending on who's available, maybe Seattle's a pick there. But it's just weird seeing the Patriots with first-round picks. They don't usually use them. So I don't know. Maybe just trade back. and Maybe you want to get a quarterback too. if Because you need a tight end. You want a pass catching tight end, the Notre Dame kid, uh, Kemet. I've never known how to pronounce his name, K-M-E-T. Uh, you could get him in the early second round. So say you trade back with Seattle, and then you trade back with Indy, so you have an early second round pick, take your tight end, that's solid. That's what I would do if I was New England. Uh, at number 24, Saints, wide receiver or linebacker, depending on who's available again. Get the LSU dude if he's there. Get the Oklahoma dude if he's there. Get Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, uh, Jalen Rager. If he's, if they're all available, take one of those guys. But those are the two positions I really think the Saints would do because this is Breeze probably last year in the NFL. You have one talented wide receiver on the roster. So in order to win and have more weapons for Breeze in his last year, draft a wide receiver. But if you want to shore up your defense – go after a linebacker as A.J. Klein's looking like he's going to leave in free agency. Uh, Minnesota, offensive tackle or corner? Simple. Offensive tackle or corner? Vikings off the line has, like, atrocious ever since the 2010s have started. They have not had a good offensive line in years. Very bad offensive line. Get an offensive lineman here or take a corner because Xavier Rhodes is done. I made jokes with my friends who are Vikings fans years ago about how he was overrated, and now he just sucks. Straight up sucks. Even they say it. So get a corner there to replace him or an offensive lineman at 25. 26, Miami. Again, depends if this pick's theirs or not. But if they didn't take one in their earlier pick, offensive lineman here or a running back. Ryan Fitzpatrick led this team in rushing last year. That should be enough to get a running back, to be the, oh, they should draft a running back camp. That should be enough. Whether that's in the first round or early second round, they're going to take a running back here or in the in the draft at some point because they need to. But if they only have two first-round picks after a trade, take it off to tackle in the first round, running back second round. Seattle, edge rusher, simple. Edge rusher, wide receiver, or off to tackle. Yeah, one of those three. Their edge rushing sucked. Jadavian Clowney looks like he's gone. So... Drafting a guy here would be smart. Getting a tackle 
like Jackson from USC, he would probably be available here. Take him and help protect Russell Wilson. Uh, 28, the Ravens, uh, linebacker or edge rusher. Something on the defensive side of the ball. They didn't really replace Darius Smith when he left. So get an edge rusher or just a linebacker in general here. 29, Tennessee, edge rusher, just D-line in general. Or a tackle. If Conklin leaves, get a tackle to replace him. So edge rusher or just D-line and off to tackle here for Tennessee. 30, Green Bay, uh, linebacker, wide receiver, or tackle. One of those things, because Devontae Adams is the only person Aaron Rodgers really trusts. So get another receiver in there that he could trust would help out. But if Alan Lazard is going to take the next step and take up that number two receiver role, you can sure up the offensive line or get a linebacker to help sure up the defensive side of the ball. And then the final two picks, the Super Bowl teams, the Niners, uh, secondary, most notably safety. I think that's what the consensus is for San Francisco right now is that they take a safety, whether it be Delpit, McKinney, Winfield. One of those guys is going to San Francisco. They need help on the back end. Their corners are not extremely fast. They're very, they're lacking in athleticism. They have skill, but are lacking in athleticism. So get a guy in there to help speed up the San Francisco secondary and the Chiefs. Edge rusher corner, one of those two. Uh, get a guy opposite Frank Clark in their corners. Though we're improved, still could use an upgrade, to be honest. So that is what I have got for what teams could slash should slash will do in the 2020 draft. Uh, Mock Draft 2.0 again coming out on Wednesday. And that's all I've got for you for the draft stuff on the Logan Blackman Show. Reminder, before we leave the show today, the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Iowa State Cyclones are both playing on Wednesday. Iowa, their game will be at 8 on Big Ten Network against Purdue. And Iowa State's will be at 8 o'clock as well against West Virginia on ESPNU. Both games are at home for the Iowa team, so go to the games if you want to. For Iowa State, tickets are low as $2 according to ESPN. So throw your $2 at a Cyclone game if you want to go to that. I don't know what you want to do, but you could do that. But with that being said, uh, that's all we're going to do for today's edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Uh, This wasn't a live one, so... Just listen to the podcast. If you if you are listening to the podcast now and you've made it this far, just continue to listen to more podcasts. Follow the podcast on Spotify. Go follow all the social media accounts. Go like the Facebook page. All of that stuff. And I will be back on Wednesday from 12 to 2. And I will see you later. Peace.